Hi guys, welcome to the In the Game Room podcast, episode number 22. This weekend I am at the Orcon convention in Los Angeles, and I am here today with two of the Strategicon guys, Mike and Jim. Say hi guys. Hello. Hello. Tell us what is Strategicon? Strategicon is an organization that runs three yearly conventions, Orcon, GameX, and Gateway, during uh, President's Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day. Uh, we are uh, focused as a full gaming convention. It's not like uh, sort of like one of those pop culture nerd conventions. This is legitimately a full gaming convention where you can come here, play board games, role playing games, miniatures games, uh, live action games, uh, video games, collectible games, war games. Just about any type of uh, game that you can possibly think of is at least somewhat represented here. Even party games, the one department he actually missed. Party games, which is social deduction uh, uh, type style games, um, but say, say miniatures games again. Miniatures games, which are primarily the most awesome, except for RPGs, which are actually the most awesome. <laughs> uh, if you haven't guessed yet, I run RPGs. Mike, and Mike runs miniatures, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we're we're an organization of volunteers. Uh, we're uh, <laughs> here comes one now. for gamers by gamers. Um, and uh, what the, uh, there was a. This is sort of like the second iteration of Strategicon, in that um, uh, back in the day there was a, a collective of attendees that ended up purchasing the convention from the previous owners because uh, we thought that, well, they thought they could do a better job of running it. And uh, frankly, you know, the success story speaks for itself at that point. Now, this con, this particular con, Orcon, for me, goes back to like 1981. Was it Strategicon then? Nope. Uh, no. No. Uh, the the three independent cons actually were independent cons. Orcon specifically relates or was was named after Orange County Convention, which was originally an HMGS Historical Miniatures Gaming Society convention set in Orange County, Anaheim. I think it was the yeah, first like the Anaheim Sheridan, which was kind of cool because that was like the heyday of of Dungeons and Dragons, and that hotel looked like a castle. So it kind of fit. It was kind of cool. That is very cool. Yeah. Wow, live action. A little yeah. cosplay before cosplay was a thing. <laughs> yeah, we have a dungeon here too, but it's way different. <laughs> um, but uh, so what we do is we run these uh, four-day conventions. They run over a three-day weekend. They start on Friday, go Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, one of the cool things about this convention is that it's a 24-hour convention. And once yeah. it starts on Friday, it pretty much keeps on goes. trucking until it ends on Monday. Uh, so if you uh, care to lose a lot of sleep while gaming, this is sort of the best place to do it. There was a certain rite of passage when we were younger that involved nonstop gaming jolt colas oh, and yeah. sleeping is wherever you possibly could without the hotel staff kicking you out. Yep. That's a game in and of itself, too. Yeah. When, when this was at, I guess it was the Sheridan down the road a long time ago, um, I played a micro-armor tournament there. Not a tournament, just a big game. Right. And we played yeah, all weekend. It was just, we'd run to the bar and get a Long Island AC, come back, play, and when that was empty, we'd go get another one. And we, we did this for four days. Wow. And that was, uh, that was back when I was young enough that that could actually happen. Uh, yeah, I hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the problem is your liver hates you now probably. But yeah. oh, Getting old sucks, but, yeah. you know, whatever. It's all good. Uh, but Mike and I, um, well, Mike, b before I really became involved with the convention, actually used to run tournaments back in the day. This was in the 90s. 
Yeah, mid to late nineties. Mid to late nineties, and uh, was generally treated poorly. Um, <laughs> there was there was a large schism between the historical guys at forty k was up and coming, and um, I just wasn't part of the in crowd. Unfortunately, you were more on the forty k side at the time. That was what I played because yeah. my local game store was not really a game store. It was more. I mean, they to this day they they still exist and they're primarily hobbies: RC cars, model kits, rockets. They make a lot of their own stuff. They happen to have games at it. It's got to be Pegasus. That was Pegasus. Yeah, and uh, they've got a much more well-defined game area now. But back then, it was kind of a second thought. But a lot of the guys there, they liked having it there because they played. Yeah, right. and they can get stuff at a huge discount. <laughs> Which, look, enlightened self-interest is a wonderful thing. It is. But he was working at that point, and you know, there, and uh, I was actually going to the convention also uh, at, during that time, uh, playing role-playing games. Uh, but the uh, the severe lack of events and the amount of events that would cancel, even when you signed up. Uh, it, it caused me to really lose faith in the con and just stop coming because I would keep coming just to get disappointed at least two or three times right. uh, about events. So, you know, it was just kind of sad. So I went, you know, this place is falling apart. It's just not for me. I'm just going to go to my local game store and I'm just going to game with my friends. Um, years and years later, this was like early aughts when we got together with John or... or 20, when we start uh, special projects. Oh, jeez, that had to be... Well, it was more than 10 years ago. Um, I want to say 2002, 2003. Something. No, no, no. It was... Because we've only been in charge... or the, the current ownership have only been having it for a little more than 10 years. I've been married for almost 12. So I want to say... I, we weren't coming when I lived in Newport. So it had to be 2008. 2008. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, around that time, uh, our friend John Piva, who runs the ITC tournaments here now. Yep. Um, more, more 40K. Yeah. Sorry, historical people. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Whatevs. Um, but uh, he uh, was a member of, of the convention staff and wanted to create an uh, organization within this, the, the convention that ran games pointedly that you could not run at home. Either completely upscaled games or games that required a lot of uh, uh, gear or something to do that that would make it difficult for you to run on your own. So it would be sort of like an attraction to the convention. You couldn't play it anywhere other than at the convention. One of the main things that we did was we uh, actually did a General Quarters, which is a World War II naval simulator. Uh, what's the original scale? One one thousandth? What? It's no, no. The original scale is one twenty four hundred. One twenty four hundred. But we actually ran the actual. Scale models, the plastic Tamiya yeah. scale model size. One six hundred. One six hundred. Sewed a whole bunch of blue sheets together and covered a whole lot of floor uh, space. In most cases it was forty by forty. Forty yeah. by forty, and ran games general quarters at that scale, uh, which you know was very eye catching. We we had like the big painted ships and all that stuff, and it was really cool. We also did stuff like Mustangs and Messerschmitts. If you're not familiar with that game, it's a World War II aerial simulator. Uh, hyper, that, hyper that realistic. Hyper realistic. Um, in that, you know, it, it's like it, it takes three turns to actually do a certain certain maneuvers, like an Emmelman, where you just flip over back and go the other direction. And there were very uh, there were very specific rules about how, how these maneuvers had to go, where you actually had to turn the ship on all 
360 degrees uh, to represent where it's facing because that actually uh, matters for shooting and stuff like that. So hyper-realistic, but we did it with the big planes. We also did it with the, the model planes on these gigantic stands. I remember seeing that. Uh, we played around with our own sort of like uh, physics-based space combat system uh, that used thrust uh, and counter thrust, um, and we did that a couple of times. We also did a whole bunch of like small demos of games, uh, you know, be it like things like Malifaux, things like uh, yeah, Wings of uh, War. Wings of War. I, rem- uh, I remember when John was running his uh, his Wild West game, and he came dressed up as the governor from uh, yeah, Rock from, Ridge, uh, yeah, from Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Actually, it was Rock Ridge. It was the Battle of Rock Ridge. Yeah, yep. um, that's, that's something you just don't do at home, or I guess you do, but you're weird if you do. So. But you know, it, he had the whole whole town of Rock Ridge meticulously uh, represented all and everybody and, they, and he used a, a, a uh, version of uh, Warhammer that did, did Wild West stuff yeah the Legends of the Old West Legends of the Old West and uh, it just had a great old time with it you know and he would like I said dressed up as the governor from the movie and really play up the the sort of like RP uh, uh, aspect of it and it was just a really great event um, so you know we did that for quite a few years um and then it started coming around where, you know, staff changes started happening and we've been there for a while and we were familiar with the organization and willing to help out. So, you know, long story short, Mike and I end up become well, first Mike and then myself become department heads. Um, we like to say that we sort of failed upward. <laughs> um, uh, and started just running the departments. And the, the thing about it was is that, you know, we were a little bit younger than uh, the the rest of the crew that was running things at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we had, I'm going to say, a fresher perspective on yeah. some things and really w- had some ideas of things that we wanted to change and do, you know. That could, that could be good, bringing some, you know, fresh ideas in. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Exactly. You know, the thing is it's easy to get burnt out in these positions because, uh you know, outside of, you know, watching people enjoy themselves and, and, and getting the, the, the warm and fuzzies of that, that, you know, there's no real pay. What we get is a free badge in a room. And that's... Oh, t-shirt. And a t-shirt. An occasional cheese platter. And an occasional cheese platter. Some of us do. If you're high enough up, <laughs> uh, up, high enough up the uh, the scale there. Uh, but really, it, it it's very easy to burn out on this stuff because it just after a point it can it can really become a chore because it's just repetitive it's a lot of work and it's a lot of work uh, so you know it I, I, we came in as sort of fresh blood on, on the situation we we, we had we we're obviously a lot more energetic uh, about about doing it just because it was new to us you know we, we wanted to really succeed we had something to prove um, and so you know it, Mike came in there and there were like what maybe 30 to uh, I think the first, the last year, it wasn't me. There was thirty-two or thirty-three miniatures events, sixteen of which was essentially the special projects that had been co-opted to save miniatures. Right, which so, is basically us running games. Yeah, um, just trying to build up interest in it. You know, how many events did you have this con? Uh, One hundred and two. Nice. Uh, scheduled, and the pickup ones. <laughs> right. Who yeah. knows? Exactly. Well, mine didn't count in there. No, it didn't, but it was one of the most fun... Well, one of the few I got to play and be... Yeah. But then again, Bolt Action is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yay, historicals. So, you know, yeah, so, this, so this convention is probably the biggest you had? By, yeah. Numbers. We, we, just... we already know that already, and that's not counting most of today or tomorrow, which... 
No. We get some stragglers in. It's not a huge number, but you know we do get some people in on on a, on a random Monday, just because it's the holiday day and some people just walk in. And just a- actually, the big draw on Monday, auction. Auction. Yeah. yeah. We, we get twenty just for the auction. So you know it, it's one of those things where um, the it, it, it's sort of a validation of the idea that. Uh, if you attack something that's a passion project and you are really committed to the community and you're really committed to uh, your hobby and uh, and making sure that other people enjoy that hobby and spreading that hobby out, that you're going to have sort of like a, that, that that bears success. It, it comes from a point, it comes from a place of sincerity and integrity, I think, which is really where, where I, uh, why I love this organization so much. And then, you know, I'm not going to say it's perfect, uh, but for for the most part that it's a group of people that sincerely want to make this thing the best that we can possibly make it there may be discussions about different opinions as to how to go about that but really down to it everybody here is really committed to make sure that this convention is as pleasant and entertaining for as many people as we can possibly yeah, make it it is about the community here and, I, and and from the beginning it has been that was where when our buddy John kind of got us involved with it, you know, I, I, I admit I was done with the convention from, from before, you know, but it was like, oh, no, no, they're not, they're not in it for, they're not getting any profit out of it. Yeah, nobody's making any money off this con. Uh, and the feeling that I get when I'm here, and maybe it's just because this is like, this is my home con, I've been coming here forever, but I always get that, I always get that, like, family feeling, you know, like, yeah. there's a lot of other conventions where a lot of people from one group don't talk to another group and they're really competitive and they're really ultra serious about whatever stupid game they're playing and they're just they're in their clicks and whatnot and I don't see that here I, I see even people that play games that I don't care about I can strike up a conversation with them and find out you know they're just good cool decent people yeah. you just got and then there's some people who just pull aside and you go hey it's okay to let somebody else like something just because you don't like it, it's fine. They can like it. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. but I think part, a lot of that is, 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 I guess, reflected in the community as a whole. Right. More and more often, there's fewer people who self-identify as, you know, I'm only a miniatures player. Or right. I'm only a role player. This, you know, especially with how easy it is to... Just pick up a board game. Hey, that was kind of fun. You like that? There's a lot, here's a bunch of stuff like it. And they're easy and they're fast and you can play them and... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of crazy because, you know, uh, uh, I know Mike and I are, are avid gamers. Gamers. I mean, we play board games. We'll play card games. Hey, man, we, we, played, we played cribbage for hours and hours and hours on end, just basic cribbage. Uh, hearts, spades. Uh, but we like board games, card games, miniatures games. I mean, Mike and I are avid miniatures collectors uh, uh, and hobbyists, uh, and uh, I love role playing. It's 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 a passion for me. It's, it it makes me truly truly happy. It's one of those things where, one of the things that makes me the most happy is uh, is taking something that's absolutely nothing other than a sh- like a sheet of paper and some basic numbers and, and words and making something completely cool out of it like an entire story an entire world an entire uh, epic um, making something from nothing is 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 nothing makes me happier than making something from nothing and and role playing is in essence is just raw creativity so it it, it, it it's I, that's the reason why I think I was a great fit for an RPGs director because I love I love those things so much and I, I love the people that love them so much and I want them to have that experience as much as possible. Do you, do you have any kind of idea how many people that attend this or what percentage of the people that attend this are into role playing? 
Uh, well, uh, I can tell you sure, just straight off of the raw numbers, uh, I have about 500 individual badge numbers that sign up for uh, games throughout a, a given weekend at a 2,000 uh, uh, person attendance. So, uh, and that's and and that's not including Adventures League and Pathfinder. Yeah, that's the thing. Is so collectively as a whole, the role playing community here. There's three, I guess, subgenres of it. Well, there's two subgenres and two organizations in one subgenre. Well, yeah. Uh, what it is is that uh, I, my department is sort of a catch-all department. Any t- anything that's technically a role-playing game can come to my department. Uh, Pathfinder Society and Adventurers League are actually proprietary organizations from Paizo, who makes Pathfinder, and Wizards of the Coast that make Dungeons and Dragons, and that's their organized play. And they have a huge following because the the cool thing about organized play is that you can go to a game store that runs Pathfinder or Adventures League events, bring a character, go through an adventure, you get all the credit for going to that adventure, the experience, the, the money, the equipment, all of that's tallied by the organization to validate that it is, and you can take that same character to Colorado, play in another Adventure League game, and it's just as valid. So it's one of those things where, you know, a a lot of people that may not have a a, a solid gamer group that meets regularly, but still wants to role play, a lot of people will just go to these Adventure League or Pathfinder Society events and just find pickup games. And And, and they're huge at the local stores. And they're huge at the local stores. And so we we host those things, and not only do we host those things like uh, a normal game store would, but we have uh, epic events. the, the, The manufacturers will actually Actually, create content uh, straight for conventions and for larger conventions, and and our attendance has been so outstanding for both of those organizations that we've actually had premieres of things for like the the new Starfinder, uh, the science fiction version of Pathfinder had one of its premieres here. Yep. At Strategicon, it had yep. its West Coast premiere. So you know, it's uh, it. it it's one of those things where the people that play that play that intensely and sort of just do that. So you never really see a lot of that energy unless you go down to those rooms where they're, you're actually but those places are dungeon. Saturday sa- Saturday was the Adventures League epic event they play it's one GM and six players per table uh, they had 36 tables that all played the same game at the same time in their big epic event yeah and they're, they're all in the same world at the same time so there is a possibility of interaction. It's huge. So uh, it, and, and those kind of unique events, once again, like digital projects, only things that you can find at a convention like this. You'll never really see something like that outside of this type of event. Yeah. I can't fit 200 people in my house, although it feels like that when the Alaska come over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I, when I first started going to Orcon, it was, I don't know what the percentages were then, but if I had to guess, I would say it was like 80% D&D. And then there was the the uh, weirdos with the miniatures playing six millimeter modern wargaming with right. me. <laughs> we were the weirdos. So it's uh, I'm glad to see that miniatures is growing here a lot. That makes two of us. I was so scared. I was scared shitless. I took the job over. <laughs> I remember I you, you kept begging me every every con, come to the next con and bring your boards and bring your micro armor and stuff. Well, now. To be fair, there's a reason for that is because now, yes, Miniatures Wise, I started with 40K, eventually got into historicals, and I've actually now have, have a huge interest in micro-armor specifically. In fact, I've bought some from you. Right, right. Because I like... Team Yankee kind of spurred me into, into 
I guess fulfilling because I mean, I grew up during the Cold War. And I like, I mean, my dad was a Marine. I was militarized. Well, just so age. everything everybody knows, Team Yankee is a oh. miniatures game based on the idea of a uh, uh, Cold War gone hot. Yeah. So you know, in in the vein of Red Storm Rising, and also the the, the yeah, titular Team Yankee novel, just like right in the early '80s, I think. Yeah, which is funny because that's the time I was in the army. But it, it you know you get all of this you know there there was a certain point, especially during the '80s, where military hardware there was it, there was a fetish for it. I mean, all the stuff from GI Joe that was basically just reinterpreted American military hardware. Yeah. Uh, so you know, kids like us that grew up during that time period, you know, you you look at Oh my God, it's an A10. That's awesome. You know, oh my God, it's a Harrier jump jet. That's great. And all those things are in that game. So you know, it made, there was, yeah, there was so much new stuff coming out too. I mean, the M1, the M2, the Humvee. Mm-hmm. These were like the newest, coolest things. Everything else was forty years old. You know, yeah, yeah. a whole new generation of stuff. But yeah, it's it's a really neat game. But anyways, I'm sorry, Deirdre. Oh no, no, and just so I went from uh, uh, went from uh. The, uh, uh, the Team Yankee 15mm to wanting to maybe a little more realistic scale-wise yeah. and, some, and some more stuff. Um, so I've gone, with like some more flexibility as well, so I've kind of gone to that micro because you know what? If, if 40K taught me one thing, it's that th- these games are entertaining, but at the 40K scale, a tank takes up like a third of the table. Yeah. I, I started playing moderns in 20 millimeter. All of a sudden, I can get three city blocks on a table. 15, you get a little more. Six, well, you know. And then Alan <laughs> one time brought this amazing board that was the Iraqi parade grounds. The Baghdad yeah. parade. Baghdad grounds. parade grounds. Yeah, that was awesome. In, but, in 285th scale from satellite pictures, it was accurate. And played that, I think, the two or three times you brought it. Loved every single time of it because, you know, it was representative of the ranges. And it was just, a you know, it's like, oh, now these are companies of tanks. Awesome. Which is how we would, you know, actually fight nowadays. You didn't get that parking lot effect that you get in Team Yankee at 15 millimeters. Yeah, but isn't that one of the great things about the con, too, is that, you know, even if you already have familiarity with uh, with games or certain games, you can come over here and find a whole new series of different options for for yourself, you know? Yeah. And one of the things that I pride the in the RPGs department is, you know, I, I had uh, 120 events uh, scheduled and with 50 different systems independent systems wow, being those games. So, you know, it, it's like every other game is a different system. So it, it's one of those things where I like to foster people coming over here and being experimental, trying new things, and uh, having as many as broad a selection of different types of games for people to play so they can experience new things. And, and the miniatures department right now is exactly that. I mean, there, there are so... <laughs> Watching Mike and Tim just go into Kickstarters was just amazing. Oh, <laughs> I found this new game. Oh, oh Kickstarter. No, $500 later. Don't even, don't even get me on that topic. That's <laughs> where this goes to our rating. Yeah, but uh, still, it's just, I, I mean, I, I actually have bolt action stuff myself. I didn't fall down the uh, rabbit, a Team Yankee rabbit hole. Uh, you like didn't Mike need and, to. But I didn't need to because you guys literally had every single tank that they sold in Southern California purchased. Yeah. You actually, they, they, they cleared out stores of product all the way from freaking, what, uh, Colorado, Wyoming all the way to California? Oh, yeah. Let's see. It was it was uh, West Texas, California. It wasn't any Nevada. Uh, Oregon, Washington, 
and Arizona, Colorado. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So you know, it's uh, they, hey, we had a game to run. Damn it! Yeah, you had this gigantic table filled with nothing but American and Russian tanks. It was it, it was a sight to behold. But once once you guys went that deep in, it says I'm not buying crap because they've bought it all. They've got it all, and I'm good. <laughs> but uh, now that Mike's thinking about uh, doing the same game in, in a smaller scale. Uh, I'm kind of on board with that too because I've been actually very curious about playing things at that at, a small, at smaller scales. There's, there's a huge community online, especially on Facebook. There's a group called uh, Team Yankee and Six Millimeter, and there's a lot of guys that are playing it in Six Millimeter, and they don't change a thing. Mm -hmm. All the ranges, all the distances, every, it, it, everything stays the same, and it just looks right. Yeah, it makes it honestly makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and it's a pretty solid rule set. No, it's a great rule set, but it's just maneuvering and getting all that stuff on the table. You'd, you'd have to play basically skirmish games to yeah. make it make sense. If you wanted to play anything larger scale, it it just didn't work. Yeah, some of the games I've seen played in 15 millimeter, you've got you know three hinds lined up and the rotor blades are overlapping each other because mm -hmm. they have to be so close together right. or whatever. You know whatever the rule is, it just begins to look a little silly. But if you put a six millimeter miniature in in that place, then it starts to look like oh you got two or three helicopters spread out. The only problem I have with the move to six millimeter in Team Yankee is the fact that I had already researched. An airwolf in the correct scale, <laughs> and I really wanted to run a scenario where the Russians had to try to kill airwolf. I bet somebody makes it in six millimeter. Six millimeter. I think it's just a Bell two. It's just a Bell two twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. I'm sure you can get one. Probably one of the British companies, mm. H and R, uh, QRF, Brooks and Ross, or one of those guys. Well, because they make everything. I yeah. mean, that, that's the same thing when I was when I was playing twenty mil. Uh, moderns through force on force. Every, everything I got was, uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but it's all British stuff. Yeah. It's like, and they had everything. It's like, well, do you want like, you know, early two thousand U.S. Army, late two thousand U.S. Army, uh, you know, in mop suits, not in mop suits. Well, now we got the Marines that are different, or you want the British, or take your pick. And they had it all. Well, that's the thing I think that historicals have over. Uh, fantasy style games in the fact that historicals offer such a broad selection of different things manufacturers of figures uh, time periods uh, the kind of play stuff style that, the kind of stuff that appeals to somebody like me who's going to research it to death yeah for people I mean actually from a role player point of view uh I like to give character to everything that I do. So, but you know, it, 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 when you're doing a historical, when you're doing historicals, there's research you can do. There's real life things that you could tap into yeah. that just make it really a lot more interesting and intriguing for me personally. Uh, although I love making my own stuff up, it's uh, it, it's really kind of cool to be able to just step back in time and and go, well, this is this was Charlie Company, and you know, and th these are the 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 uh, the battles that they fought in, and you know the 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 things that they did, and you get to go and and find out more about the world in general. So it's it's, it's somewhat educational. There's an educational factor to uh, historical games. Oh, yeah, it's like when I started playing bolt action, and I decided we were doing a North Africa campaign. Well, you know what? British Indians would be awesome. And I found out where they fought, what they had, all the gear, and all that kind of stuff. I found, I literally found a, uh, two books about. Just the Gurkhas in action in North Africa. Yeah, I read an entire book just on the French Foreign Legion because that's what I wanted to do. But the thing about it is that I, I wanted to do French Foreign Legion because I'm Hispanic. My mother is from Spain. 
and I wanted to play Spanish dudes in World War II, but as everybody knows, the Spanish really didn't do much in World War II, but you know who did? A bunch of the guys who basically fled Francis, uh, uh, Francisco Franco and joined the French Foreign Legion. Uh, actually, the, a huge number of French Foreign Legions at that point in time were Spanish, so I figured this is my best option to be able to play Spanish, and I wanted to play a French army that had only one Frenchman in it. Yeah, oddly enough, I British it the same way. I'm learning a lot about World War II history. See, I, I, most everybody that starts playing miniatures starts playing World War II. Mm-hmm. I was the opposite. Back in 1981 or whenever it was, I discovered it was it was 81 because that's when Tac Force came out. Tac Force was 285th scale modern wargaming, whatever modern was at that time. Right. It was you know M60A3s. That's the game that I latched onto. And I've stuck with it for 30-something years, always playing the most modern stuff. So I didn't really care too much about World War II. The very first historical game I played was Johnny Rep. So now that I've started playing Bolt Action, I'm actually learning a lot more and realizing how little I know. <laughs> and it's kind of fun. I mean, I'll, I'll never be one of those rivet counters that sits around all day talking about, you know, the different versions of this and that and why one's better than the other. I'll just be talking about, you know, how it affects the game. Yeah. But but I am learning a lot about it. It's, it's kind of cool. It's super cool. And, um, you know, it, it actually, bolt action is just an incredibly entertaining game in the in, in that I love the way that the game flows because of its initiative system and I love the fact that really every single soldier is pretty much exactly the same with just a couple slight variations yeah, right, right. Uh, and to me, that's absolutely fair. You know what I'm saying? When you're when you're dealing with 40k or some or a fantasy based, oh, thing, yeah. there are there are so many drastic variables because every single unit is radically different from any other different stat lines, yeah. different everything. In bolt action, a dude is a dude is a dude. Yeah, a dude with a rifle is a dude with a rifle. Exactly. Whatever, whatever uniform he's wearing, it doesn't really. The only matter. thing that matters is what they're carrying, really. Yeah. Uh, and well, a little I, bit from I, the experience. Are you new dude or are you old dude? Yeah, but the thing is that the, the and that's the, it. The, that's those it. are differences. Yeah, that's it. Whereas in 40k, you can literally have my soldier is worth five of yours and can kill him and 15 of his friends before you guys even knew I was there. There's a surprisingly large number of ex-40k players that play bolt action. It's really funny. I, I get into the bolt action groups on Facebook, and every once in a while there'll be, not every once in a while, once a day or so, there'll be somebody that says, hi, just a recent convert from 40k. I'm really loving this game, you know, it's so much better or different or whatever. Well, I think one of the big reasons for that, honestly, is the fact that, because full disclosure, this will piss off the historical guys, uh, 40k from the beginning. I played Rogue Trader, second, third, fourth, all the way up through 40k, and at times the game was full of flavor and full of stuff and full of fluff and all kinds of really cool game effects, but that tended to bog the game down, and then as the game got faster, more accessible, and streamlined, it sucked a lot of the Flavor out of it, yeah. Yeah, the flavor, the differences. It all just kind of felt like, you know, you have your cheap but plentiful troops. You have your really high guys. And there was just small candy coatings and a couple different, couple of different things as opposed to bolt action, which uses, you know, very straightforward mechanics but still has a massive amount of flavor because, you know, your guy in a German helmet has these cool things that affect him because that was German and that fits their style versus the guy who was British or the guy who was First Airborne Division, sir. Yeah, exactly. And But I, I think that the the way that I put it is the main difference and 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 I, 
not saying that one's better than the other, I think they're just different, is that I think that uh, games like Warhammer, games like War Machine, Hordes, games like Malifaux at a smaller skirmish scale, are basically games that revolve around not only the playing of the game, but around the meta of the game, where army builds and synergies are... Yeah, it's at combo. Least, you're, you're looking for the combo. At least as important as your generalship on the table. Right. Well, the term that I hear a lot when people are talking about 40K, tell me if this is true or not, is it a pay-to-win game? Well, here's an interesting thing. There, there, there was a YouTube channel that what they did was they, uh, instead of using point values uh, for, for 40K, they would do dollar value. So they would say, okay, this is a $500 game. <laughs> right, so after you got six figures on the table, what do you do next? <laughs> You're done. Uh, yeah, but the, 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 the point that they were making was that the dollar value of things very aligned itself very similarly to the points point value. value of things. So it is a bit of a pay-to-win to pay to game. Kind of. Uh, I'm one of the few people that's never played it, or even looked at the book, or and it just it just didn't interest me. Yeah, the, the thing about it is, is that I'm a huge sci-fi nerd as well, and well, I, I am too. And I mean, I played like role-playing games, like Traveler and stuff. So that's really cool. It's just the world that 40K is built on is what really drew me in. I I never I didn't start playing 40K. I actually started playing Epic, which is the six millimeter. Six millimeter. It, it, it's 40K micro armor. Yeah. It's 40K micro armor, uh, and uh, my Friend Paul had just graduated college, graduated from the Merchant Marine Academy, and, and uh, with a degree in logistics, and he was delivering pizza at the time. Irony. Uh, and I was just out of high school, and basically just sort of working for my dad and just hanging out. And there was a game store <coughs> by us, and since we had a bunch of spare time, we ended up spending a lot of time there. And we each saw like the, these epic, and there was like the Titans and the robots and stuff, and it looked so cool. And uh, one of the sh- kid, one of the guys at the shop, actually gave me the the book, the rule book to read the rules. I did not read a single rule. I read pages and pages of background story, the fun stuff, all the fun stuff. And I, and I sort of wow, this, there's there's elements of Dune in this. There's elements of Star Wars in this. There's elements of uh, uh, of all of these fantastic uh, Asimov. There's all these great science fiction. Uh, uh, Tropes. tropes that they pulled on to create the 40k universe and I actually just fell in love with the setting uh, uh, and then we started looking at the stuff and I played D&D for three years and they had space dwarves and dwarves were my favorite race in D&D so I just snabbed some up and uh, uh, Paul picked up some Eldar which are space elves and uh, dwarves in epic scale must be pretty tiny. They were really tiny, <laughs> but they luckily had, they had they huge, had the, big tanks. They did. They had the cool stuff. They even had the the combat zeppelin. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, they they had uh, gyrocopters totally and zeppelins. The year forty thousand. They were armored zeppelins with anti grab things <laughs> um, and heavy bolters, uh, but uh, the, then after we. We picked up the game and started messing around playing. It was time to assemble and paint, and that's when the real romance started. Yeah, that's the fun stuff. Uh, you know, it, I, miniatures games are fun. 
I don't think they're any more fun than a board game or a role-playing game, honestly, as far as, you know, time entertainment. But sitting down and painting those minis and then bringing out those minis and showing them off and, and, and having ownership over this army, uh, it, 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 it swells me with... It gives you pride. It gives you accomplishment. It also makes you uh, very attached to the things that you're using for the game in a way that you really, outside of maybe a character you've been playing for a long time in a role-playing game, just doesn't exist. I am completely and totally vested. It really keeps you uh, invested or involved in the game in between games. Yeah. Like, I I get to play a game maybe once a month, if I'm lucky. It's all that other time in between that I'm working on miniatures that keeps me enthused about the game. Yeah, and honestly, the, one of the reasons why I didn't go into historicals as soon as uh, sooner than I did is because I, I, the model ranges made for historicals just weren't as interesting to me to paint than the fantasy stuff. And that's pretty much it. Well, and that was the hook that actually Pegasus used to get into me is because I was a, I knew the store because I was a model builder. Yeah, and then they go, oh, look at this. So it's a model that we use in this game. And so immediately it's like, oh, that thing that I bought and did all this work on is not going to sit on the shelf and gather dust. I can actually do something with it. Mm -hmm. Oh, score. (laughs) I think that's common in a lot of miniatures gamers. They they come from model building, model railroading, things like that, you know. And then they say, oh, I can play with this shit too. Well, and not even not even that. I remember uh, uh, when I worked, Jim and I actually worked at the same place a long time ago. Um, There was one of the mechanics there. Uh, who bought tons of 40k and fantasy and all that kind of stuff and never rolled a dice in his life. He just wanted to assemble and paint the stuff and that was what he enjoyed. That's probably going to be me with the Star Wars Legions. I'm just going to buy everything and put it in the display case after I paint it. I might play. That's perfectly fine too. Yeah. I mean, just that's fun stuff. that's the thing is there's so many facets to the miniatures hobby. That's one of the things that I really like about it because there's a lot of different ways to enjoy it, other than just playing the game. Yeah. Um, and 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 with with things like 40k and their expansive, that means they have novelizations. They have. Uh, oh yeah. I mean. So much content that you can consume and and immerse yourself in that universe, um, that you know, it, and then you read something and it inspires you to do something or a conversion of a model because you wanted to look like this guy from the character, uh, the, the the character from the book, or you heard something. You know, it's uh, it, it's transmedia at its best. You know, they they get it's, you at every it's, angle. It's a it's a wonderful huge range of ways to draw your inspiration from. The same way that you know. I know when, when Tim and I were sitting around assembling our, 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 well, my first and his probably 40th or 50th bolt action army, um, <laughs> we had on, even though the British Indians weren't in it per se at, or at all, we watched Band of Brothers while we were working on this stuff. You I know? do that with Saving Private Ryan. I was always playing in the background. Or if I'm working on modern stuff, it'll be Black Hawk Down. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Well, that explains your your hotel. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm dying. I'm like, I gotta find a use for that. The problem for me is that I really want to get back into doing Force on Force because I really love that game. And now that I picked up another one of their add-on books, it's like, oh, I can do all this really cool stuff. So I've got all the books for that game. I should give them to you. For what? For Force on Force. Well, you could. I already have them. Oh, you. Okay. I picked. I literally picked up the last two that I didn't have. Screw you then. I, I know. <laughs> I appreciate the hell out of it, but I can only read one at a time. Yeah, brick droppers. <laughs> What's the, uh, there's one, the uh, Day of the Rangers or something? Day of the that's, Rangers. That's the Mogadishu book. Yep, that's Mogadishu. Uh, or Although, the Mo, we don't call it Mogadishu. 
Uh, we were playing Force Off Force back where we were over at the Sheraton, and our friend Steve uh, was playing with us. I think that's when I met you the first time. Yeah, I think it's when the... Yes, because that was where I used your buildings right. that I found online that Steve, who Jim's telling you, was essentially blowing up because he, he was really tired of getting RPGs rained upon him, so he decided just to take buildings down. So the thing is, he figured out that it's a lot easier to destroy the building than try to kill the individual people inside the building. So he just started doing this, firing everything in the building. And I'm like, dude, you are dropping bricks, man. Brick Dropper. And he got a full-on nickname uh, from that game. He is now Brick Dropper that he developed into a uh, male stripper persona that he uh, <laughs> did during John's 50th birthday. Brick Dropper. What do you think of the... Uh, the Force on force rules are great. I a huge fan of them. Honestly, they were they were my first foray where instead of just from the outside thinking this is really new, that I actually took the leap into go. This is this is my thing. I'm going to bring to the community, especially because of how to me how unique at the time the the rules were. Playing with the HMGS guys at this con uh, in my early days. Of being here, you know, I, I was exposed to the really cool initiative systems because 40k is a fairly boring. Yeah, I go, you go. Oh. All my stuff goes, all your stuff goes, and that's fine. Mechanically speaking, the game is actually very dull. That's why it, everything's focused on the meta because that's really exciting. Yeah, the rules. absolutely. But in 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 Force on Force, when I was reading through the book, it took me a, quite a while to really grok the. Okay, so everything on my, my side is going to go before anything on your side is going to go, but everything on your side that can see my stuff can react to it and react to it constantly. And so that became one of the hurdles when I was teaching people to play the game. It was, okay, before you do anything, pick your unit and announce exactly what they're going to do. And then at the various parts where somebody can see you, the other player has the option to react. So normally if it's not my turn in 40K, I can pee. You know, I'm, yeah. wait, I'm waiting for you to tell me what dice to roll, as opposed to force on force, where you've got to watch. Yeah, you got to be there the whole time. Because if these guys have a two-inch window when they're crossing that driveway, and you've got a technical in waiting for them into Swiss cheese, you've got to be there. Pay attention to that and make that die roll and go from there. I made the point about about miniatures games and even uh, role playing game systems that the, the, there's two ways of doing it. There's rock and sock and robots, which means I'm gonna stand here, I'm gonna punch you, you're gonna take some damage. That's your turn, and you're gonna punch me, and I'm gonna take some damage. And whoever actually and and then the dice are actually more involved into the result of the actual of the combat than you. I prefer I prefer uh, miniatures games and uh, role playing systems that are a little bit more fluid. That are action action and reaction that actually feel more like a combat is actually going on. Oh yeah, uh, and they, they did a fantastic job of actually creating that, and and the fact that the asymmetricalness of it was great too. Uh, I, I Force on Force fits such a wide range, and I played such a narrow band of it that. Uh, you know, I, I I never did regulars versus regulars. It was always um, sandbox type stuff because that's that's all the stuff that I actually had. Although it was weird that the terrorists got Russian tanks on a surprisingly regular basis on that fog of war deck. I, it was the weirdest thing ever. But so much so, I actually had to buy a T fifty five just to have it. I really love the one where we had to go in and rescue the news crew. The the best part about that one was when I played it at a uh, HMGS thing at a an armory 
And, you know, it was there was a lot of Bradleys in it. Well, they had a Bradley unit there that had served uh, in in Iraq. And they, they thought the game was really cool. And we were, I was telling them about the mission and that they had to save the news crew to a man. Like, oh, well, can you just shoot the news crew? <laughs> to a man. No, which, you can't. No, you can't. And like, oh, well, okay. No, they didn't seem too heartbroken about it, but it just made the parameters way easier. <laughs> Ah, simple problem solvers, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I, it cost us. Somebody's gonna have to write a letter. Fuck it. Doesn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't recommend it enough. I mean, I really enjoyed it, and it was it was my foreword to that. And then from there, it just kind of morphed because, you know, uh, Bolt Action is another one of those where I just—it's it's a great little game, and the random draw, yeah, is awesome because plans go so far. But at the same time, the use of officers in that game to mitigate that to a point. I'm activating yeah, my officer. Yeah. My officer can command X number of guys to do their thing. No, the thing is, the way the rules are structured, your officer allows you to actually implement a tactical plan. That is what the ability of the officer is. Right? Holy fuck! <laughs> yeah. how, how perfect yeah. is that? Exactly. He's not just a plus one to your leadership anymore, and it's a yeah. really great way to address that. Now, have you heard about the... Uh the upcoming supplement, I think it's just going to be a PDF, but it's going to be bolt action, really small units, like five or six guys, and each guy gets a action dice. Well, yeah, because that because uh, the miniature schemes scale up and down, where you have you know up like six meter six meter regimental style all the way down to small unit tactics, and uh, a, a small skirmish game like that actually sounds really kind of interesting. That's borderline role playing. Absolutely, because you've got individual characters. Absolutely, you know, and, and you can really get into playing each one. But the thing is, you can actually legitimately use that as a role playing yeah. game because you know, it, it, if you're just simulating a combat action scene, then you just use that rule set. I think I'm going to be trying that out at uh, Warlord Con this year. Nice I was talking to uh, John Russell. He's the the event coordinator for Warlord USA, and he's going to be there. And he said, "Yeah, you know, we're going to have this." And they might also have the Warlord. Uh, Korea supplement. Oh, nice. Which could be interesting. They're working on figuring out how to get helicopters into it and things like that. And jets. So that could be interesting. But also, was that uh, the samurai game that... Uh, oh, was it Test of Honor? Test of Honor. That, that game is great and also a great example of a game that can easily be a role-playing game. Yeah. And it kind of is, I think. Yeah. Because uh, actually, you know, it, uh, one of the tropes in, in role-playing games is mooks. Or a mook spigot, or a mook bucket, and uh, the the three base guys that are your basic Ashigaru just really kind of follow their whole mook concept from RPGs because they're really just popcorn, you know? They're they're there to die. Um, they're like machine gun loaders. Yeah, exactly. They're just there to die. Just there yeah, to exactly. Die. You're, you're sorry, dude. You're the, you're, you're the first one. I just one. see the loaders just in there, just lying down, just crying. I'm just here to die. <laughs> Why? Well, we've gone about 46 minutes. That might be enough. Unless you got something else pressing you want to... Mm, not really. If, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're interested in gaming, come to uh, yeah. GameX. <laughs> yeah, if you're, come up in May. If you're anywhere near Southern California and you're not coming to the Strategicon conventions, well, you're just wrong. You're missing out. Yeah. Seriously, Pre- you're yeah. just missing out. President's Day, 
Memorial Day, Labor, Labor Day. Day. Yeah. 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 Strategic conduct. Got nets. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and not only that, but also, you know, an amazing amount of product available in our wonderful vendor room. Oh, wonderful. Like our vendor room is awesome. You should see that. What is it? Uh, Gamecraft Miniatures? They Gamecraft have, Miniatures, yeah. They have a booth not, there. Only, not only is their booth well stocked and awesome, but there's a, their staff is just sexy as fuck. Just amazing. Just amazing. Great with kids, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not all kids. Some of, them, some of them are hated for a good reason. Uh, but in general, man, if uh, you're listening to this and you love games, I love you. Yeah. And everybody that bothers to listen to this must love games because they're putting up with all our crap. So Indeed. It's all good. All right, then. Hi, then. That's, that's it for now. Thank you, Alan, for having us. Thanks for coming and joining me. Oh, we'll be back. I, I listen to your podcast today. I just want to go, oh, yeah. I, I want to talk about this thing. And Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I, sometimes I'm watching. I'm like, every month or so. We can do it on Skype or something. Yeah, or, totally. Just or let, let us know. get together at the, the Spoon events. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Actually, a Spooncast would be great. Spooncast. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, so we have this a... Which is everybody that's listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we had a... Uh, one of the uh, members of our circle of friends and, and our, our, our family here at the convention uh, passed away over the summer. Yeah, I talked about that last year on the show, actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's Tim. Yeah, that's Tim. Tim and uh, during his memorial service, when we were all sitting around, we realized that we had just kind of let life get the better of us and hadn't been meeting as much as we should have. And so we came up with the idea of the Spoon, the Society for the Preservation of Odd Old Nerds. And it, it's it, us. It, boy, to a T, as it turns out. And I'm good at making acronyms. What can I say? <laughs> and how? And so it turned into this thing where it was these. Yeah. Well, thank you, Alan. <laughs> Coming from you, it's a great compliment. <laughs> I know a thing or two. <laughs> and so it just turned into this this get together where it's like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, so we're going to assemble and or play and or paint and or take your pick and or watch TV or, or watch or TV. both or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And for I those mean, of you who listened to a few podcasts ago, that's where Kelly's Heroes came from. Yep. Was at one of those events. I was forced to watch it there, and I loved it. It was great. Oh, it's one of the Now, conversely, he was also forced <laughs> to listen to the Highwaymen concert that John had and did not like it. I didn't like that so much. Yeah. No. Well, you know. But, but, but he was hip to the, was it Bowie? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was all good. It was all good. It's always all good it's when just we get together. But the thing is, it's just it, it's just fun to get together with your buddies, even if you know, you're know you not playing a game or you're just doing oh. random stuff. It's, it's just and, and peer pressure is the best thing for painting. Yeah. Anybody anybody within 10 feet of you with a paintbrush in their hands kind of guilts you into doing it because it's like the, well, they've... Well, not only that, all that work done, I could be working on my stuff. All of your possible distractions are doing the same thing you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it causes you uh, this community of focus on it. I really, we used to go to Tim's uh, house like every other weekend and go in, uh, go in his basement and, you know, three to four of us would get together and just start painting. I'd get kid. so much stuff done on those weekends just because, you know, it was just... That's what we were doing. We were sitting down and we were painting. We'd had background noise movies, but we weren't sitting there just watching it. We were just painting the entire day. And the day would go by because we'd be shooting the shit, talking about idiot crap all the time, all day long. And the day just went by. And the last thing you knew, I had an entire two squads of skies painted. Yeah, two hours later, it's like, oh, I got all that stuff done today. I remember the first Spoon event that I went to, and I had the new Warlord SS guys, the 40 pack or 30 or whatever comes in a pack. I had them built and base coated. 
and then they sat for weeks. I just didn't have time to fuck with them. Yeah. And then I went to that event and started painting, just put my head down, started painting, realized six hours had passed and I was nearly done with them with the, the, the P-dot camouflage and all that shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, I really got a lot of work done. And I didn't think I was going to last that long because I get weird anxiety issues and stuff. And I'm like, I'm just going to go try and show up and see how long I can last before I freak out. And like six hours later, I'm like, I'm in this. Which yeah. is weird because hanging around for John for an extended period of time really makes everybody kind of break out in a rash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, some people, blame, a, just some the people cats blame the cats. I blame the mullet. but <laughs> I blame the cats. But, uh, no, it, it, you know... I have some social anxiety issues as well, but uh, it's I, the hallmark of what we do. It's, yeah, it's I mean that's that's who we are. But uh, the simple fact of it is, you know, and my wife uh, brings this up all the time. It's it's completely different when you're in a place where you're amongst your peeps. This it's so and true. this is like and and places like going to a spoon meeting or coming to this convention, you're just surrounded by like-minded people, and and you don't you never feel judged, and I think that's sort of the crux of a lot of my anxiety uh, is that I feel judged over certain things and here I never feel judged so I, this is where I'm most relaxed. There's a lot of people that know me outside of gaming that aren't gamers and they know that I come here and do these you know I sit for eight hours a day in the dealer room talking to people and they're like how the hell do you do that? That's not you. And I'm like w when I'm here it's it, different. It is me when yeah. I'm here. It's, yeah, it's, it's because you can be you. You're comfortable being you. Yeah. And, you know, you don't feel any inhibitions. And, and, yeah, and, and go to some kind of wacky that. dinner party well, or whatever and yeah. I'm yeah. not with my yeah. people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, because everybody here, we have 2,400 people here this weekend, and every person here, you have at least one in eight thing common to them is you enjoy this this hobby in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. You, yeah. you know you at least have that in common, so you're going to find a common ground right away, whereas in your in your... Dinner party with normal people. Well, dude, I work in an office full of guys, and they know I, I, I take off. I'm gone for five days, weekend, you know. Plus, I don't get Monday off at my job uh, this weekend. But you know, they, I'm taking these days off. They know I'm going to be here. They really don't grasp what it is. Yeah, it's like, really you know, it's like, it. oh no, no, no. Yeah, seriously, I put these models together, I paint them, and they're like toys. And then I go and play with my friends in these army games that I did. You know, it, it, you know, every seven-year-old does. Other than we use dice as our randomizers to say whether or not I actually did, in fact, shoot you. <laughs> I shot you. No, you didn't. Yeah, exactly. And they just don't get it. No, and they and they and they don't get it. And the nice thing is, is the people in my office don't. Okay, we're all weird, you know, because honestly, it's no weirder than the guys who live fantasy football. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely yeah. not. Those, yeah, those, that's role playing. <laughs> no, granted, speaking as a fantasy no, football player, I, but I, I, the 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 thing that that I that I point out about you know uh, sports fandoms, which I have no problem with, go Dolphins, um, is that it's you you vicariously achieve. Yeah, with, with people, sports, people they identify with the team and they say, "We won this weekend." Exactly. Like, what position did you play? But you know, if, if I if if I'm playing bolt action, those are my models that I assembled and painted. This is the army that I put together, and this is me tactically executing that army. This is all me. So if I win or lose, that's my pride, and it's all on me. Yeah. Or it's the fact that we only had one anything gun on the entire table. <laughs> Well, you know what? I think that, that, that joke was for the guys like, at this table. The scenario yeah. design fly. We didn't even talk about <laughs> last night's game where a 12 year old killed us. <laughs> well, to be, to be fair, though, scenario design, I love scenario design. 
So hopefully there'll be a whole podcast just on that. We can do that. We can yeah. do that. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, we tried to say goodbye like 15 minutes ago, so let's try it again. Yeah, that's it. I think we're done. Ciao. See you guys, and keep on gaming. Yep.